Hi people and hello my Chilicon Carnage crew, it's Chili here from Live Listen Erased and this is a special episode, it's the end of the year, 2022 is over and I've got to say I'm rather thankful that it is. To be perfectly honest, the music for 2022 has been okay but nothing absolutely great. It's produced some incredible albums, yes, but compared to say 2021, at least in my thoughts, it's not as good. Now, I thought I would just do a list like every other YouTuber who does music channels and do a top 10 albums. In this case, we're going to do covers of uh, the 10 albums that I thought were the best of 2022, and of course, the 10 albums that I thought were either the worst, or at least, not regarding the worst, but I would say most disappointing. So, there's going to be probably some controversial artists on that list, I would imagine, and I'm not going to limit it to just albums um, as well that, I'm going to, sorry, I should say, I'm, I'm not limiting it to albums that were just studio albums. So, there might be a few bonuses here, but, you know, any albums released this year. Now, in regards to that, if you're waking up hungover from the 2022 New Year's party, I welcome you all. We're going to have some episodes out coming up, and I think the live episodes will be on delay for at least a couple of weeks. I'm just going to be busy for the next two weeks in January. So, taking a bit of time off, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So, in the meantime, let's get into the first and most disappointing album of 2022 this is in no particular order i should also add so number 10 so we're going to start off the list with number 10 it's uh, unlimited love by red hot chili peppers now this album is unfortunately quite a disappointment from my angle and it pains me to say so i mean my namesake is after the band so it is quite a blow at least to me to put the album at this on the list it, when it came out, I was well, I was ecstatic. Red Hot Chili Peppers are recording. John Frusciante's back. You know, I was just over the moon. I got Doz in for a special episode. We went through the album. And, well, you can also see it on the episode that we covered this album on. We went in-depth in regards to that. We covered every song, uh, more or less. And the album is just so bloated, full of tracks. There's a lot of things going on there. And it's just not much that really stands out, I guess. I mean, when you're releasing a Red Hot Chili Peppers album, there's going to be this high standard of how it should sound. Unfortunately, it just didn't live up to my expectations and sure that falls on me to a degree but on the other side it kind of does go back to the band i mean there's 17 tracks on offer um it's nearly uh you know one hour 20 it's like one hour 13 i'm just looking at it here um and you know some of the songs aren't too black uh too bad i should say black summer uh is of course a decent track as well as you know a couple of other songs there but oh, overall this album just Man, it was bland, forgetful, you know, I kind of forgot this album as soon as it came out. It was just such a bland album that just had no cause for me to go back and listen to it. You know, besides one or two tracks which I saved on a playlist, I just never found myself coming back to this album until at least another album came up. So, yeah, for me, number 10 spot is Unlimited Love, Red Hot Chili Peppers, sorry to say. Now we're going to jump into number 10 of the best albums of 2022, and this is Red Hot Chili Peppers Return of the Dream Canteen. 
Now that, of course, was bad for me to say Unlimited Love was terrible, but hell, I was surprised to see Red Hot Chili Peppers releasing a second album in the same year. I did read later on, of course, that they have actually recorded something like 50 tracks during their sessions, so I wouldn't be surprised to see if a third album is coming out soon. I mean, we've already got a new single, The Shape I'm Talking, which has been released. I've only played it once, you know, nothing... Not not taking my fancy, but I really got to listen to it properly. But Return of the Dream Canteen just kind of almost came out of nowhere for me, especially with the tracks Eddie. Uh, that song I did a reaction to, and just it's absolutely fantastic. Love that track. You know, Tip of My Tongue, a couple of other tracks, Fake as Fuck, uh, My Cigarette was a really odd track, but a really cool sound to see the band, I guess, go different, trying something else. And that's that's what I feel is what they should probably try you know they've done their sound of California uh, Californication of death and all that so you know I guess you could almost consider Return of the Dream Canteen to be their new age one hot red minute type of album you know uh, I think a lot of fans are a bit divisive in regards to this some of them calling it a very sleepy record you know yes it's down tempo it's slower compared to a lot of this stuff but the dudes have been going around for about 40 odd years they're not going to write these high pressure funk rock stuff like they did back in the 80s you know and as far as the 90s sound well that's a completely different era so you know their bands for most of the part i believe pretty sober <laughs> and they have been for years they don't want to write songs particularly about people dying, with the exception to the track Eddie, of course, which is a tribute song to Eddie Van Halen, who passed away uh, only recently, rocking peace Eddie Van Halen. And I do like the solo as well from that song. That is uh, an incredible song. You know, I thought they did it very tastefully. They didn't just, you know, copy his style, which John probably could have done. They did it in their style, you know, kind of similar to and it's kind of odd i guess because you know brendan's death song of course another big song that they did in the last 10 years of course whenever you know terrible things happen and people pass away uh, the red hot chili Peppers managed to focus their grief inwards as a band and put it into a creative output so you know absolutely cool to hear this song and this whole album copper belly you know carry me home uh, in the snow just a whole bunch of other songs that were really good and i don't you know I, i'm looking over the numbers now just over here on spotify i don't think they truly reflect how good this album is it's just my opinion at the end of the day i guess it's up to you if you choose to not really enjoy return of the dream canteen but that's just my opinion i just think it's that good of an album so we're keen to see if there's going to be that third album i guarantee there is obviously the new single is out It'll be interesting to see if it'll be out by the end of this year or early next year. So I reckon January, but eh, who knows, who knows. So I'm sure I'll get around to reviewing that whenever it comes out. We're going to go on to number 9 with the worst albums of the year and this one's easily going to be Kid Rock's album Bad Reputation and do I really need an excuse to say how terrible this album is? It's just such an average piece of musicianship by Kid Rock and you know it's 18 tracks, it's too long, it's bloated. I mean you really need me to go on with reasons as to why this is terrible? He just tries to go into so many different styles of music, you know, it begins off with his traditional, I guess, style of rock, and it just continues on and then changes up to that country sound, and he tries too many genres, I guess, at the end of the day, and doesn't nail any of them at all. 
not with any perfection. If you don't believe me, go check out my review on the Bad Reputation um, episode for 5-minute reviews. I think I sum it up all perfectly in that episode. But yeah, if you really need me to give a reason, I don't give a shit about that. Instead, I will give you more jokes on Kid Rock. So, here we go. What's the difference between Will Smith and Kid Rock? We can remember the last hit Will Smith had. What did Epstein name his island? Kid Rock. Kid Rock's videos were submitted to Saturday Night Live, but were rejected for being too funny. Weird Al Yankovic has confirmed he has not done a parody of his music yet. That's actually Kid Rock's music. I'm still surprised to check on the trend for Kid Rock on Twitter, only to find out he's still alive and writing bad music. Kid Rock is a set of truck nuts come to life. Kid Rock is an artist that stops at nothing and stays there. One thing is for sure. Kid Rock definitely wrote those masterful lyrics on his own without the help of a ghostwriter. The number 9 spot for my top 10 favourite albums of 2022 goes to The Who's sophomore record, Rumble of Thunder. Of course, we're not talking about the English band The Who, but the Mongolian band, and never did I really think that I would be going into Mongolian throat singing folk metal and thoroughly enjoying it. It's an odd combination, I guess, when you put it on paper, but it really does work. Their musical instruments just suit the style, of course, of what they're doing. It's music that's been done for centuries, but the modern aspect to it, the integration of such that, it really blends quite well. And I remember listening to this album when it first released and just playing it from start to finish, being awe-inspired, and then just playing it again from start to finish, and... You know, I was just dumbstruck. It, it really is uh, quite an impressive album to just listen to and get lost within. You know, this album um, is one of my favorites, I guess, because it really stood out. It was very different to a lot of the music that I was listening to around about the time, of course, with a lot of metal and all that stuff. And then along comes this one, and it really is different. It stands out. You know, they had their first single, uh, was it Wolf Totem, I think, back couple of years ago which dropped and had a massive hit on the internet and I did a few reactions to of course some of their newer songs Black Thunder and of course this album just blew me away it really is such an incredible album highly recommend going to listen to it go check out my five minute review as well I cover it more in depth but yes you know there are fantastic songs like Teach Me uh, Black Thunder absolute banger of a track really recommend that you instead don't go to the short version of it, but listen to the extended version. To me, that is the true elements that they are just—they're just poised to take over. You know, it. To I think if if you can listen to a longer version of the song, it really pays off. It really does. You know, I'm not saying that uh, Black Thunder's shorter version is it um, not bad. Sorry, not good. I should say, but. The Black Thunder extended version really shows off the musical uh, implementation within the band. So yeah, there's a lot of other tracks there, of course, Mother Nature, uh, Sell the World, and you know, This is Mongol, of course, and all these songs are just bangers from start to finish, you know, I think after this review I'm going to go listen to that album again, because seriously, a super impressive album. So the number 8 spot that goes for the 
top 10 worst or disappointing albums goes to Aaron Lewis's album Frayed at Both Ends. This album is definitely not me, it's not my style, but on top of that Aaron Lewis just can't really write music to save him. It's just bland country rock and you know it's written of course to a specific demographic at mind and sure play up to your crowd play it how you want to i mean that's just how you want to do music that's fine you know that's perfectly fine the ramones wrote music for decades and they didn't really do anything adventurous they just wrote music that they wanted to they had the fans that got to them and they just kind of had that legion that would follow them around uh, Aaron Lewis, as far as country musician goes, like I said in my review on this one, I think he's more suited to be a country musician. I just don't think he has the uh, creativity to really pull it off. It, it just comes across as bland, generic country rock, I guess I'm saying. And on top of that, it just kind of irks me the wrong way, that in particular with that Am I the Only One track, and just the knowledge of, you know, its undertones, its, its lyrical undertones of him being disappointed about the statues, for example, being tipped over. I mean, uh, Todd in the Shadows does a full episode about, you know, Am I the Only One? Highly recommend listening to that episode because he goes real in-depth and, you know, just nails it, really. Does it very well and just covers it. And if you think I'm just doing this because I hate on, you know, this political spectrum, you're very wrong. Wait till you see some of the rest of the, you know, albums that'll come up on this list. I mean, for another thing, Ted Nugent's album was incredible. I absolutely love Detroit Muscle. That thing was incredible. But, no, this album, it just, ugh, it's just bland, generic country rock. You know, and people who will say, I'm not a country musician fan, sure, I, I guess you can make that point, but, you know, I don't mind country rock, I don't mind your Chris Stapletons and, you know, a few of them other musicians, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's at least Chris Stapleton writes good music, <laughs> this is not good music, and I think a lot of people will also be interested, or maybe not so much, to know that Aaron Lewis is apparently going to get the band staying back together and record a new album next year, so... Keep your eye out for that one because, I mean, I, I did not think he would get the band back together, especially considering in interviews how he thought um, he didn't want to continue down the path of, you know, singing about his dark areas of um, his history. And I understood that. I understood why he didn't want to relive those episodes night after night on the stage. So it's a bit curious for him to get his band back together and write some more music. Who knows? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to expect. Stained for me. Um, it's it's kind of a guilty pleasure. I do love Fourteen Shades of Grey. It's just one of those albums I grew up on back in the day. I can acknowledge it's pretty generic rock and pretty average, but I still enjoy it. I I don't know. It's just an album I grew up with when I was young, and I still play it occasionally from time to time. A couple of songs here and there. Uh, but yes, Aaron Lewis, Frayed at Both Ends, Ugh, no, no, not for me. The number 8 spot for my top 10 favourite albums of 2022 goes to Utada Hikaru and the album Bad. This album, I don't, it's so great, I loved it from start to finish, you know it is a long album, yeah 14 songs at like 70 minutes or something like that, and maybe some parts it just kind of drags on a little bit, but overall it just felt really transcending I guess and effervescent to be 
back into my J-pop roots. Uh, it's a genre that I still listen to from time to time. I don't. I must admit, of course, I'm not really into that, you know, flashy pop um, section of J-pop. I prefer like the J-alt indie section um, and all that jazz. But there is still a lot of good music out of the J-pop section that I do thoroughly enjoy. I've got a, you know, a playlist that's just J-pop related, and occasionally I'll add some songs that I find because obviously the, you know, just spotify suggestions and stuff but this one just stands on a league on its own uh tata hikaru is an artist that i've known for years in regards to games like uh kingdom heaven and you know some, uh, just songs that she wrote for that uh i don't i'm not overly familiar with the uh, music that she wrote for evangelion we discussed that on an episode actually because of uh this episode i did on uh hikaru I believe, anyway, that uh, one of the podcasters, Arlong Podcast, Arlong Podcast, reached out to me in regards to this episode. I could be wrong. My memory might be fooling me right now. But anyway, this album, really cool. Actually, no, I think it was something different. Anyway, look, it's, ir- it's irrelevant. But, <laughs> you know, uh, this album was really cool. Just, a, uh, I guess, a trip down memory lane, if you will, uh, kind of to simpler times. And listening to this from start to finish, just absolutely great. Absolutely great. Pink Blood, you know, absolutely great track. Not in the mood. Face My Fears, both the English and the Japanese versions, both really good. Some titles there I can't pronounce because they're in Japanese, and I'm not going to even try. The opener, bad, just, you know, great. Some real good tracks here. Recommend the album. The number seven spot for my worst or most disappointing albums is going to be Weezer's Seasons albums, and I mean all of them. And look, I'm not going to go massively in depth in regards to this. I plan to make a future episode, you know, just tackling the entire issue that is Weezer's Seasons. And I mean, yeah, it, it's a highly ambitious project, and it just failed. Let's leave it at that. I will cover it for a new episode that'll be coming out possibly in a few weeks' time, and I will really go in depth in regards to the failures of that album. At, as of release or as of recording, I should say of this episode, seasons uh, winter. Sorry, seasons winter. Yes, has not come out. I had to think because obviously we're summer down here in the southern hemisphere. But yeah, winter hasn't come out. But I hold no hope for that album. I still will, you know, listen to it with an open interpretation. But I just don't feel like it's going to live up to anywhere of the expectations that I have for the whole album, the series that it's gone through. So, yeah, I will go more in depth, as I said, but no, just no. The number seven spot for my top 10 favorite albums of 2022 is going to go to Ghost's album, Impera. Now, of course, Ghost have been a controversial subject I guess in regards to a lot of musician fans uh, musical fans in regards to whether it's metal or not who gives a shit at the end of the day this is music that is really good don't just go through and go ah oh, well if it ain't metal I ain't gonna listen to it you're just gonna narrow that field down for music that you might enjoy you know there's a lot of I guess other bands that I've just mentioned Natata Hikaru from before and you know just who cares if you if people want to say they're metal then sure, say they're metal, but you know, it doesn't really matter what genre-defining album they are, or what they live up to, I guess. So, yes, Impera came out, I think it recently just won an award for, like, American Music 
Um, just quickly checking it now. American Music Award. The album did very impressively. You know, just a fantastic album from start to finish that really has only grown ever since I've started listening to it. You know, um, I put it down for maybe a couple of months because I just had played it to death. And then I came back to it and I'm like, oh, damn, this is good. There's some just incredible tracks there. And it does change, it does shift compared to their last album. But I feel that despite the changes which feel a bit more mm, poppy, I guess, I'm not sure what would be the quite the right description, but I feel that even though with the shifts in style there, it's still a very solid album, staying true to their sound for most of the part anyway. You know, there's some nice little elements like Call Me Little Sunshine, I thought was a really cool pop rock kind of almost 80s cure-esque kind of sounding album uh sorry song and you know hunter's moon another one like that it's just got this dark ambience within that's just like evil lurking or following you through a forest or some shit i guess that's how i could describe it uh dominion was a song that was just blown away 20s you know uh griff wood is a song that seems to get traction over time uh, Darkness at the Heart of My Love, all these songs, but of course Kaiserian I think is just one of those weird, like it's almost power metal, you know, the, the way it blasts at the start and the guitars flaring and all that, and it's got a great story within it, like I didn't know about the story of Kaiserian and uh, the the person, and you know, she's a, you know, I've just had a mental blank now, Kaiserian is the story within it is just fantastic. I really recommend you actually check it out for yourself rather than let me try to fumble my way and describe this song for you. Really listen to the lyrics and then go back and you know check out who the person is that they're referencing because there's quite an interesting story uh, with a bad twist at the very end. But yeah, you know, fantastic little album from start to finish, absolutely incredible. And I just am glad to see Ghost jumping back into it there. So yeah, you know, it's not as good as say Prequel, I think, but Prequel was a mammoth record, at least in my mind, you know, um, Prequel was just an album that I couldn't stop listening to for years, and Imperio does a, a really good job, like, trying to live up to those standards, I, I think they, they did quite well uh, getting it to up there, getting it up there, I should say, and yeah, Ghosts continue to be on their way with their music and seem to be taking over the world into this, you know, coming up into their second decade of performing, so... I don't think there's any signs of them slowing down anytime soon. I can't wait to see what goes to have in the future. So, yep, great album. Recommend, of course. The number six spot for the worst or most disappointing albums of 2022 is going to go to Papa Roach's album Ego Trip, or at least I should probably say Ego Rip, let's just admit it. This album is just self-diluted and just not very good overall. It, it just tries to be something it's not at the end of the day and just fails miserably. They're trying to stick with a few you know, melding of sounds there and it just doesn't work for them. It, it, nothing that they are doing is landing. Like, I, I don't know if anyone really remembers much of, much of this album. It's got some decent plays I can see here on Spotify, you know, Kill the Noise, the first track, 31 million plays, that's nothing to scoff at, but at the end of the day, you know, you go through the rest of the album and it, 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 very, it drips off very quickly, it drops off, I should say, very quickly after that, you know. Um, it, it, it's just such a subpar album, and the fact that, you know, um, I've got a... I can't remember the guy's name, of course, Shay, oh, anyway, the lead singer from uh, Papa Roach, 
you know, came out and said all these things about he's more punk than Fred Durst and all this shit. I mean, please, you just you live off the one single that you released. You you guys have a one-hit wonder. Last Resort was it. That's it. You know, there is just nothing else that you guys have done after. And you guys redid that, you know, redid that song three times, I think, in the last three years. You re-released it, re-recorded it, and you're riding off the backing of that to try and promote Ego Trip, which is not an album that follows down the infest kind of relation. So, you know, you don't want to be new metal, but at the same time, you're releasing your new metal sound. And this new album is not new metal, but you're still releasing the old sound of new metal. Get, make a decision. Cut your ties with that shit or not. You know, tell your fans to pack it in that we're not, we've given up on our old sounds or don't. Don't play your previous stuff. Do something, you know. Uh, the fact that this is a formulaic release with singles released beforehand and, you know, a time frame that everyone knew when the album was coming out uh, versus Fred Durst's Limp Bizkit's album um, was just dropped randomly as the suggestion of the fans, at the suggestion of fans, just shows that that is more punk than what this album was. So, yeah, fully just... Just stay away from this album. It's just terrible. So, number six spot for my top ten favorite albums of 2022, and yes, this might feel like cheating, but shut up, I'm putting it on my list anyway, is Dream Theater's Lost But Not Forgotten. Sorry, Lost Not Forgotten Archives, Made in Japan, live recording from 2006. Yes, I know this is back from 2006. It was dropped this year, though. So, technically, this album counts in my mind anyway, and my list. Hey, it's my list. I can do what I want with regards to this. You know, you can take it or leave it, but that is going to be up there. Now, Dream Theater have been very busy this year, just releasing tons of their back archives with all the lost but not for, uh, lost but not for, damn it, lost not forgotten, <laughs> lost but not forgotten. Seriously, tongue tie tying that one. Uh, they've released a ton of materials, and I'm just going to quickly run down the list here because you know, ever since a view, um, a view from the top of the world, they've released even before then, actually, I should say. They've released uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. There have been 15 albums that are lost, not forgotten. And they're basically everything from their back catalogs, demos, uh, you know, unre unreleased recordings, live recordings, everything that a Dream Theater fan would just palpitate over. Because why not? If you're a massive Dream Theater fan, you might enjoy those demos to hear how they've gone from sounding rough and raw to how they are versus the album and it pretty much it covers all, all their things from like 1988 you know all the way back from their first albums you know when dream and um sorry when dream and day unite all the way up to present day almost so it's interesting i'll admit i played probably you know two or three of the albums but at the end of the day i don't really care much for demos and unrefined material unless I'm a super fan and while I do thoroughly enjoy Dream Theater I'm just I mean there's a reason why they're demos you know like they really do require the production quality that they have on those albums you know um, 
when Dream and Day Unite, it was regarded as one of their worst albums, also because of the low production in regards to that. You know, Images and Words was such a step up and a vast improvement, as well as for songwriting and, of course, musicianship. There was a bit of change around those times, I remember. And, of course, Awake changes seasons, yada, yada, yada. You move on, it changes up all the time. Now, I chose Lost Not Forgotten, uh, Made in Japan, because this is actually just live recordings of a Japan session where they just covered Deep Purple. And I love Deep Purple. I think it's fantastic. I think these guys are probably one of the most talented um, musicians in, or a bunch of musicians, I should say, um, of all time. It's got to be up there. Those guys, they just nail it. And this was, of course, around the time still with uh, Mike Portney on drums. So it's going to be a fantastic effort. There's, you know, Space Truck and takes a 20-minute solo. You know, you know, Lazy, of course, goes into it. Strange Kind of Woman, The Mule, Smoke on the Water, Child in Time, Highway Star. And, of course, they can just nail it. And I really wish I'd known about this and I could have gone to such an, um, you know, concert. Because to see... I love Deep Purple. However, would I see them in their current state? Probably not, because I mean the only the only um, the only original member there is the drummer. What's it? Ian Pace, I think. I might be getting confused there. Ian. Anyway, the original drummer is the only original musician, I should say. You know, there's some long-term musicians, but unfortunately, they've just really uh, they've lost. I should say Stephen Morse, the long-time guitarist who's been there for about 20 or 30 years. He had to leave the band to look after his wife, who's currently very sick. And they've got a you know standing musician at the stage, so it's unfortunate. Um, but anyway, look, it, it would have been a very great concert to have seen live. I really do. And I want to give a shout out as well because there was another release just around this time that I'm just trying to remember, and it was uh, they did a cover of Iron Maiden's works from memory, you know, and. It, it's interesting, I guess. Sorry, I just can't find it right now. But they did a, you know, uh, another live recording as well. I wanted to give a shout out, and it was Numbers of the Beast. You know, just a whole bunch of live recordings of Iron Maiden records. Sorry, Iron Maiden songs, and I think they've covered them before in the past. Here we go. Uh, the Number of the Beast live, not forgotten archives. The Number of the Beast. Uh, live in Paris 2002, which has got Invaders, Children, The Dan, The Prisoner, 22 Acacia Avenue, uh, The Number of the Beast, Run to the Hills, Gangland, Hollowed, Be Thy Name. So, very impressive set list there. Of course, Numbers of the Beast album. So, yeah, it, it's um, just an absolute banger of an album. But I, I felt, you know, to go back to Made in Japan and play the Made in Japan set list, just incredible. You know, just incredible to try and recreate that sound and the balls on the band as well to just go in and tackle it like yeah we can do this and it's almost like they're too perfect i think you know they while 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 the band can jam and do their thing you know i, I kind of feel like they're too perfect whereas deep purple when they jammed they were had a they had probably had a loose edge to them and it kind of felt more rock to it. Anyway, look, that's my little discussion. But yes, that's that's up there with my top albums for the year. 